sacrament. Why don't we stand this morning, greet each other in the name of the Lord. And members, if you see somebody that you don't recognize, please go say hi and welcome them today. Good to see all of you guys here this morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. And there's Oren. Good to see you, man. How are you? Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. I am Scott George, your announcer for this last Sunday of the church year. The Reverend Bill Mayer will deliver today's message. Assisting in the worship service is the organist Miss Susan Seniger and the acolytes Kai Brown and Drew Creek. Radio broadcast is sponsored by Marilyn Stewart and on her family members, Lauren Kleibacher, Marla Stewart, Elsie Smiths, Marcy Parrish and Orrin Fritz, Jeff Parrish and Jess Lowe, Jessica Lowe, who are all celebrating birthdays this month. All right, we have just a few announcements before we begin with our worship today. First of all, I need to introduce this dashingly handsome man next to me. Uh, he's my uncle. Um, he is Pastor Bill Marler from our sister congregation, Trinity in Springfield. He sent me a text message a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, uh, why don't I come up and preach for you in a couple weeks and give a new father of three a little bit of a gift? And I said, that sounds wonderful. And so he very graciously offered to do that. Um, we are very, very pleased and very, very um, honored that he is here. Do you want to uh, give us just a little bit about what your message is going to be about today? We're going to um, talk about the end of time since this is the last Sunday of the church here, and I thank you for taking me up on the offer. I'll tell you, your pastor's not derelict in one ounce of his duty because I made the offer. Um, I took the weekend off, and, and we went to Chicago to visit our son there and knew that we were going to get back in time. And I have an underlying motive. Oh. All of uh, uncles and aunts, my wife and I in particular, we encourage our nephews and nieces to have great nephews and great nieces. And so anytime we can help out with that, we're going to do it. So keep having right. them. Thank you. Thank you. Um, just a few other announcements before we continue on. First of all, I was given this announcement by Amanda Menning. Uh, she says, please announce that decorating for the church for Christmas is today at 2 o'clock, followed by working on the float for the Christmas parade. Uh, that's the parade in Mount Vernon, right, Amanda? Right? Oh, okay. Okay, so we're doing the living nativity in Mount Vernon, and then the float will go in at Monette in December. Good, okay. 
Uh, we are, and I, I was told, especially for those of you who have such things, we are in need of animals uh, for, the living, for the living nativity. Sheep, goats, baby horses, etc. If you have animals, and I know that a lot of you do, uh, please see Amanda, and she'll be very happy uh, to speak with you about that. Next on our list is, again, I want to remind all of you, this is our second week of trying out the new bulletin, specifically the new way of taking attendance. Uh, you will notice that in the back cover of the bulletin okay, is a perforated edge. Uh, members and guests, please fill out the slip of paper that is right here. When you are finished with it, a good time to do that might be during the offering time. Uh, when you are finished with it, all that you have to do is just tear it off. If you are on the window side, send it to the aisle side, and then the person who is on the aisle side, just collect all those and set them right on the inside of your pew, and then the elders after church will be by to pick those up. So just take note of that as well. Uh, next, you will notice that there are magnetic Luther seals on the table in the narthex right outside here. Feel free to take as many of those as you would like uh, in celebration of the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Uh, also, I was also asked to announce that the, that the uh, LYF, the Lutheran Youth Fellowship Christmas Dinner, is next Sunday, December the 3rd, right after the worship service uh, there. It's going to be over in the fellowship hall at the school. And then, as always, we invite you to join us every Sunday morning for Sunday school and adult Bible class uh, that, that begin at 8.45 over in the school. So we invite you to join us for that as well. Uh, let's begin our worship today with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for today. We thank you, Lord, that as we know, as we believe, as you have taught us, that none of us, Lord, are called here by chance, by accident, but Lord, we are called here this morning by your holy gospel, by the Spirit. Uh, which continues to create and continues to sustain faith within us. We ask now, Lord, that as we worship you, especially as we receive these gifts of word and sacrament, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would fill us this morning, Lord, with the zeal for your house of worship here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We sing our opening hymn, which is number... 904, Blessed Jesus at Your Word. That's number 904.
We make our beginning this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you, and justly deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repenting them, and I pray you of your boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. So then, in the stead, and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I therefore forgive you all of your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. O Lord, make me know my end, and what is the measure of my days. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths. And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? Deliver me from all my transgressions. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. In keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth.
with you. Let us pray. Eternal God, merciful Father, you have appointed your Son as judge of the living and the dead. Enable us to wait for the day of his return with our eyes fixed on the kingdom prepared for your own from, from the foundation of the world. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for this morning is taken from the prophet Ezekiel, the 34th chapter. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture in the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away I will save my flock, and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is the word of our Lord. We are blessed today to have special music by the Men's Glee, directed by Lori Evett. They will be singing, Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart. Oh, 
disciples who are here today to come forward for the children's message with Miss Menning, and also is a good time to bring up your mighty mites as well. Good morning. Good morning. I'm going to come sit right over here by Miss Grace. Is there room for me? So we've had a lot of new babies born in our congregation recently, right? How many of you know one of those new babies that we've had born? Okay. Now, when, when that baby was born, they could just take care of themselves, right? They drove themselves home from the hospital and they went to their own house and they made their own meals and put themselves to bed and brushed their teeth, right? No. What was it that those little babies could do for themselves when they were born? Anything? Nothing, right? They needed someone to hold them. They needed someone to feed them. They needed someone to burp them. They needed someone to change their diaper. They needed someone to give them a safe place to live, right? They couldn't do anything for themselves. Today, we are going to hear about Matthew 25, verse 40, which says, whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you do it for me. And some people that we uh, come across in our lives 
might need help with shelter, or they might need help with food, or they might need help with clothing. And every time that you feed someone who's hungry, it's the same as doing it for Jesus. Every time you help someone who might need clothes, it's like you're helping Jesus. When we visit someone who's sick, uh, it's just the same as if we were doing it for Jesus. And there is a very special word that I'm going to teach you guys today. It's called thanks living. Can you say that? We just finished celebrating Thanksgiving, but as we go throughout the rest of the year, I want you guys to think about thanks living. And this is a very special way that we can say thank you. Thanks living is when we show our thanks by the way that we live. So I made this little sheet for you today. What does it say at the top? It says, thanks living, and it has Matthew 25, verse 40. And on one side, you can put all the things that you are thankful for in your life. What are some things that you're thankful for? Makai, what's something you're thankful for? Your little sister. Cordell, what's something you're thankful for? Our house. Your house. What's something you're thankful for, Grace? My bed. Your bed? Okay, I'm thankful for our church. So you can put all the things you're thankful for on one side, and then on the other side you can put ways that you can show thanksgiving. So on this side, what are some ways we can show thanksgiving? What are some ways that we can give thanks to God for all the gifts that he's given us? What do you think, Keenan? By praising him? That's right. What else? How can we give God thanksgiving? Cordell? Going to church. How many of you remember our Bible verse from last year? Let your light shine. Okay. That kind of goes along with today with our Thanksgiving or thanks living. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Jesus, we come into your presence with thanksgiving. And help us to turn our thanksgiving into thanks living. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, Cordell, I'm going to hand you these and will you give everybody one? The epistle reading for this morning is taken from 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. The Apostle Paul writes this, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ, the firstfruits. Then, when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, 
it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. This is the word of our Lord. Please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. They would, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is the gospel of our Lord. Our, our sermon hymn is The King Shall Come Down When Morning Dawns on page 358 of the Lutheran Service Book.
Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This is a unique year. You might be thinking, yes, 2017 is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. But this morning, something much more practical than that. It's the first time in a number of years that we've actually had the last Sunday of the church year after Thanksgiving. Normally, that last Sunday of the church year comes the Sunday before Thanksgiving Day here in America, and we celebrate Thanksgiving and stewardship, and most of us come on Thanksgiving Eve or Thanksgiving Day for a service, and when we come back to church, it's the new church year, the first Sunday in Advent. And it's also Thanksgiving weekend, which means there are a lot of people who are traveling and a few pews are uh, empty and some of our families are gone. This year we have the opportunity to sort of have an extra Sunday in a way, and it's a Sunday in which we are given the opportunity to talk about a topic. Um, Formally in theology, it's the word eschatology. Not a difficult word because you know other ologies. You know ologies are studies or science, Biology, the study of life, uh, psychology, the study of human behavior, sociology, etc. Eschatology comes from the Greek word eschaton, which is the study or the science of the last things. And the Bible has much to say about this to us. It's an important topic. And so today, for a few moments, I want to share with you Uh, in general, what the Bible says about the last things in our lives. And you could do a whole semester course on that in Bible study, or you could do a one-hour Bible study, so we'll have to be brief in a sermon. We begin with death. That's the first topic of the last things, and that's the reality that faces every human being, and it always has since the fall of Adam and Eve. We hear things, we hear people say things about death that we just assume in our culture are true, but they're really not according to the Bible. In fact, we hear people say things like, well, death is just natural. That's the natural end of life. It comes to all of us. But death, and we Christians need to learn to speak this way, is the most unnatural of things on planet Earth. Because God, when he created Earth, when he created the human race, there was no death. It's totally out of the realm of the nature and the world and the human being he created. Adam and Eve were created immortal and imperishable. Death, sin, nowhere in sight. The original intention of God the original design of God for we human beings, and the creation itself, first Adam, and then from Adam's, from the side, bone and flesh, Eve, they were without aging, without sin, without death approaching them. That's the natural creation. That's what God intended. And we all know that sin, that original sin of Adam and Eve, was the cause of death. It did not come as a surprise. They had been educated well by God when they were in their holy and perfect and immortal state. 
They knew the consequences of what would happen if they rebelled against their Lord. He did not set them up for the fall like some dictator. He was their heavenly father. He called them his children. He created them as his adult children. He came to them in the evening to be in the garden and in paradise with them. He beseeched them, begged them as a loving father not to rebel against him in sin. But when they did, the consequences were real and death came into existence. They felt it immediately. All of the harmony he had created was gone. Harmony with him. They were running and hiding from him. Harmony between them. Now they did not have that perfect loving relationship God intended for husband and wife. They were blaming each other. They were at war with each other as the genders would continue to be throughout the rest of history. And even nature itself suffered. As innocent as nature was, the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, they too fell because the one who had been set as Lord over them fell. Sin is the cause of this unnatural thing, death. And in Romans, Paul teaches us that the wages of sin is death. We also hear people sometimes say, death is the end of suffering. And in a sense, that's true. When someone is suffering a painful death because of an illness or an accident, death does bring the end of that suffering. But that's not a consolation. Death brings the end of everything material and physical to that person. And that person is gone from our life, separated from us. If it's a loved one, it's a very painful thing that happens to us. It's more accurate for Christians to say that death is the cause of suffering, especially in our day when modern medicine has really made it possible in 98 or 99% of the cases of suffering for us, if our physicians know that the end is inevitable, we can have the benefit of prescriptions and drugs that keep us from extensive suffering. That wasn't always true. We live in a blessed time. No, the cause of suffering is sin and the death that approaches. We also hear people sometimes say, and these would be unbelievers, or they can be people in the church who are in error when it comes to what the Bible teaches about death. They'll say, well, death is, is the end. It is the annihilation of existence as I've known it. And these people believe that once the body dies and decays over time, that's it for this material body. What you see standing here in the pulpit, 63 years of it, and feeling it some days every bit of it, this, when it's buried and when it decays, never will appear again. Uh, some people believe that there will be a new body created in the heavenly world. Some immediately upon arrival in heaven. Some believe that we're just a spirit, we're just a soul, we're a ghost. Some believe we become angels and maybe in this life we can be touched by one of those loved ones who've gone, touched by an angel. Sounds like a very popular TV show. Whoops, that one already has been done. But all of these things, while 
People can lovingly say these things to us to make us feel better when we've lost a loved one. People will say that to our family members and friends when we're gone to comfort them. We Christians sometimes just have to smile and say thank you. We know it's not true. It's not true at all. We know that Psalm 139, God knit us together in our mother's womb. Biologically, we know how that happens. We have the technology to see conception happen. God knit us together in our mother's womb. He still, like Adam and Eve, creates every one of our physical bodies. And throughout scripture, from one of the oldest books, Job, and especially in Jesus' teaching, and in the writings of Paul, and in the letters of John, in the book of Revelation, we see that this body that is laid into the grave, this body that deteriorates, whether quickly through some horrible accident or over time, in our vaults. And by the way, don't buy the most expensive vault in the world. For, arrange for that. It's a waste of, of money doesn't really work for one thing an honest undertaker told me many years ago plus we don't have to worry about that God is the one who created everything out of nothing and what he promises to do for us is bring our bodies back to life he's not going to lose that physical body that he knit together for you in your mother's womb He's not going to let the devil have one iota of victory at all. And it would be, wouldn't it? It would be a bit of a victory for the devil if the body that you were given, that you've lived in all of your life, just deteriorated and God had to create some new body. No, he loves you. He created you. When his son died on the cross, he died on the cross for you. Your mind, your heart, your soul, and our physical bodies. And God's promise is that death is not the annihilation of existence. We know from the scriptures that when a person dies, their soul leaves the body at death. And that soul goes then to its eternal destination. For believers, that soul is with the Lord. For unbelievers, that soul's destiny is written, the place none of us want to end up. The promises in the Bible are wonderful. There aren't many passages. We wish we had more to tell us about this state of existence between our physical death and the coming of Christ when we will be resurrected. All the scriptures say is that our soul is with the Lord in perfect peace, in perfect happiness, in perfect joy, in perfect rest. And we are also with the angels and the archangels and with all of the company of the saints, the souls that are in heaven. We're in a worshipful state. And that's why, as much as we miss someone who dies, if God would give us the wish he gave to Solomon, anything you wish for, I'll make come true. If we really love that person who just died, as much as we would want him back, as much as we would want another year, even another day to say goodbye if we weren't there, we could never do that to one we loved. They have run the race. <laughs> they have won the crown, and they're with the Lord. But there's a greater promise than that. And that brings us to what Scripture does have a lot to say about 
including our text this morning in the gospel. And that is the last day of earth's history. Be sure and know, and there are many scripture passages that tell us, that there will be a time, and only the Lord knows that time, when you can throw away your watches and your cell phones and your calendars and your clocks, because earth's time will be up. That will be it. Now, there are many who have tried to guess that day on the basis of signs that Jesus gave in his sermons. This is futile, because when the apostles, right before the ascension, were trying to get that data from the Lord Jesus, he said, it's not for you to know, not even the Son of Man knows and can reveal it to you, according to his human nature. Belongs to the Father. And so it's, it's, it's nonsense for Christians, for religious leaders and preachers, to try to predict that. The signs that Jesus gave were troubles that would be in every generation. The apostles found them in their own generation, thought Jesus was coming back before they died. And in every century of Christian history, we've had that anticipation, it could be now. There are signs in nature, things like floods and earthquakes and volcanoes and all of those storms and and cataclysms, that is part of the fallen world. It's always happened, it always will. There are signs given in society, uh, things that we cause through injustice, poverty, prejudice, famines, droughts, all those sorts of things that take place. And the third kind of sign Jesus gave was in the church itself, that there will be many false teachers who come. Some will claim to be the Messiah, There will be false teachers and false teaching. These signs have been in every generation. They help us only be ready is what they help us. They don't tell us that it's going to be December 31st at, this would be my time, December 31st at 11.59 p.m. when everybody's raising their glasses and wouldn't that be a great day for Jesus to come back? What a surprise. But we're not going to know. The Lord says it's like when the lightning strikes or when a thief comes in the night. But when it comes, we know what's going to happen. Jesus will appear, this time not humbly down the back stairs of Bethlehem, with only the flutter of some angels' wings and a choir out in the field shepherds could hear. But he will come with all of his glory, with all of his angels. It'll be a global celestial appearance. Everybody will see it at the same time. It won't be that he appears in the Middle East and then we get 30-minute warning through CNN or Fox News so we'll have a chance to get ready. It'll happen globally. And then that's it. That's it. And then we come to our gospel, such a curious text. Because here, Jesus lines up the whole human race the resurrect in their resurrected bodies and a separation into two groups happens. In his description, he uses animal metaphors. The sheep will be placed on his right, the goats on the left. None of you who are goat farmers ought to worry about that. Uh, There's nothing wrong with goats, and goats will be in heaven too. He's using a figure of speech in that agricultural economy, Sheep were worth more, and they also were part of the cultural worship of the Jewish people. Uh, But on the sheep, Jesus says, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom 
welcome into heaven. And to those on the left, he says, I don't know you. And get away from me, depart. You cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And he gives them this explanation. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked, you gave me clothes. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you actually took time out to come to that place where prisoners were just to see me. He says that to both groups. The preacher here cannot fudge on this text. (laughs) The fact of the matter is, and this is what we say in the Athanasian Creed on Trinity Sunday, we will be judged according to our works, period. That's the standard of judgment. Our works. Now that goes against everything that Christians know, especially Lutheran Christians, whose cardinal doctrine is salvation by grace through faith alone. What's going on here? Two things in the text, they're a bit hidden, but you see them. As he's speaking to the sheep on his right, the Christians, the believers, the ones with faith, saying, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom, he says this, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That crosses out anything that has to do with our performance, our work, our righteousness, our piety, our church attendance, our tithing, our good works. This thing is already prepared for us before the foundation of the world. And indeed, we read in Ephesians 1, that the God who called us through holy baptism and made us his children already knew us before we were born, already knew us before we were conceived, already knew us before he created the earth itself. This is in the mystery part of God's wisdom and of his love, because that fact just tells us he didn't start loving us when our parents brought us to the baptism font. He didn't just start loving us when we became a Christian and converted. He says nothing like this to the unrighteous, to those without faith. The second thing is that both groups of people are exactly the same when it comes to this whole thing of good works. They're both oblivious to the fact that they did the good works. Notice the the believers in Jesus say, when did we do all these things? When did we see you, Jesus? hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or in prison or sick. They're they're totally confused. They aren't even aware of the good works they did upon which they're being judged. See, God is saying to each one of you on Judgment Day as his baptized child, I'm looking into the book of life and I'm looking for your name. Here we go, S. Sletton. Jacob Sletton. Jacob, not bad. 33 years I left you on this earth. How old are you now? 37. Hmm, this isn't calculating right. 33 years I left you on this earth to serve me, and your record is perfect. You didn't sin one time, not in words, not in deeds, 
Pastor Slatton, not even in your thoughts or desires did you ever sin one time. Welcome into my kingdom. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, we believers know what's going on here, but we could scratch our heads and say, wait a second. I lived until 97, and I served Trinity Freistadt until I was 87. They couldn't get me to retire, and I sinned a lot, Lord. Every week when we confessed, I needed to be confessing. And we understand that on the cross 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid for all of Jake Sletton's and all of your sins and my sins too. So that on the last day, our real record has been taken out of the book, folded up, burned and forgotten, just like Jeremiah promised. I will make a new covenant with them. I will forgive their sins and remember them no more. And the reason Jesus came to live a full human life, it wasn't that long, but it was a full human life, perfectly, so that his record goes into our book, under our name. And he paid for all of those sins by his death. This isn't just a story, brothers and sisters. This isn't just a cute little religious gimmick that goes along with all the other religious systems in the world. This is what happened. God gave his son to die for us, to live for us, so that on this last day, befuddled, we get everything, and we get it freely as well. I like the way, um, so I won't plagiarize them, I'll just read them. Professor Bierman at the seminary puts this. Neither goat nor sheep was aware of the presence of Jesus hidden in the form of the least of these. Ignorance on the part of goats is no surprise that the sheep have no awareness of Jesus lurking behind the neighbor should give us pause. One hears often in the church, I'm serving Jesus, serving Jesus by doing deeds of kindness in the world. This is not what the text means when it says to serve Jesus. Jesus made it very clear that he did not come to be served, but to serve us. So pious justification and false motivation is provided for any kind and numerous kinds of social welfare activities in the church. From I'm going to build houses for Jesus in Mexico to raking the widow's leaves for Jesus right here in Freistadt. It's all done for Jesus. Our text doesn't support that. It actually contradicts that mindset. One serves the neighbor only for the sake of the neighbor. The motivation necessary is the need the neighbor has to be served. Sheep serve because they love the neighbor for the neighbor's sake, not because they see Jesus standing over the neighbor's shoulder ready to add another good work. So oblivious are the believers of the connection between their deeds of service and their relationship to God through faith that has to be spelled out for them at the end by their Lord. This is the distinction between the two kinds of righteousness. My friends, Jesus says in the Gospel of John, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And indeed, you have each been set free. You are set free from trying to do something or perform so that you can please God and avoid his wrath. He's done it all for you in his son. You are free to relax and have assurance 
so that you know God is with you and forgives you every day, every sin. Never will he quit forgiving your sins. And you also are free. We are free when we stand in that line on the last day. As Paul says in Thessalonians, the dead in Christ shall be raised first. As Jesus was resurrected, we follow him to a bodily resurrection. This body that you're in now, glorified, made imperishable, made immortal. And then you ascend as he did. We meet him in the air. And then in the reconstruction of the new heavens and earth, we go to live with him forever. Amen. We stand and together recite the words the church has used for centuries, the words of the Nicene Creed. In one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended to heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with Please be seated. At this time, we will gather our tithes and offerings. Now is a good time to go ahead and uh, fill out that slip of paper that's on the back of your bulletin and just tear that off. Um, and then again, if you are on the window side, go ahead and send it down towards the aisle. And then those who are on the aisle side will gather them all and then place them on the uh, inside there so that the others can pick them up afterwards. And with that, we collect our tithes and offerings. The mission of Trinity Lutheran Church is the preaching, teaching, baptizing, and sharing the love of Christ in our church, our community, and our world. Poinsettia plants are available for purchase to put on the altar to enhance the beauty of our church at Christmas. Please contact Grace Doss or contact the church office. Orders must be in by December 4th. The school will be starting practice for Christmas Eve service, children's service, all public school students aged 3 through 8th grade are welcome to join us. Let the school office know by Monday, November 22nd, 7th. The Women of Trinity, Thursday, December 7th, is the next LWML meeting in the Fellowship Hall at 1.30 p.m. Please join us. Everyone is invited to go Christmas caroling next Sunday, December 3rd, 
After the LYF Christmas dinner, we plan to carol the shut-ins. Friends in Christ will be sponsoring a soup lunch at the conclusion. If you have any questions, contact Susan Seneger at 235-9744. It's time to order, order Portals of Prayer and Lutheran Witness. Please contact the church office. And finally, Dorcas Ladies Aid has Christmas cards for sale in the church office and fellowship hall. You may buy a box or individual cards. In our prayers this morning, we have a few folks that we want to remember. First of all, for those on our health list, for Melvin McCord, Nancy McRoberts, Mary Fritz, Ella Kleibaker, Flora Overman, Landreth Worm, Dana Robb, Erwin Kruger, Ernest Shane, Janice Meyer, Myron Reed, Carol McIntyre, Oren Fritz, Ethel Helmkamp, Dan and Joan Haynes, Addison Trokey, Steve Doss, Karen Kalai Baker, Lena Bremer, uh, Sheila Cadell, Jeannie Stoltz, Ruth Skaggs, Marjane Clanton, and Becky Morgan. A special prayer also for Lena, who is going to be having surgery today. Uh, also for those who are celebrating birthdays, for Oren Fritz, who will be celebrating 82 years of life on November the 27th. Arlie Meyer will celebrate 81 years of life on November the 28th. Evelyn Brock will celebrate 89 years of life on November, on November the 30th. Ellie Holly will celebrate 85 years of life on December 1st. And Wayne Fritz will celebrate 82 years of life on December the 2nd. With that, we go to our Lord in prayer. Lord, for all the people of God, we pray that they may always be prepared for the Son of Man to return in glory by continually being kept safe and secure in the Lord's flock, where they are fed and nourished by his word and sacraments. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the reason for why our names will be written in the book of life is not by anything that we have done or said or tried to do to earn your grace or to earn your favor, but simply, Lord, because of what you have done, of what you have done for us, and what you continue to do in our lives, sanctifying us in this one and true faith, that by which, Lord, that by the grace that you have been given to us, we might be saved, that our names will be found written in that book. Lord, in your mercy. 
Lord, we pray for all who are scattered and lost, that by the power of the Holy Spirit they may return to the fold before Christ returns to judge the living and the dead. Lord, in your mercy, for all in authority, that even as the kingdoms of this world are passing away, they may be granted wisdom and protection as they carry out their responsibilities. Lord, in your mercy, for the hungry, we pray that they may be granted daily bread as they have need of it, and that the Lord's servants may be moved to provide for them. Lord, in your mercy, for all those that we know who are suffering, whether it be physically, spiritually, or emotionally, for all of those on our health list, for Lena as she has surgery, and that they, and for all of them, Lord, that we name before you in our hearts now. Lord, we pray that by your Spirit that they would be granted healing in body and soul and that their suffering would cease. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we especially give you thanks for all those who are celebrating birthdays. We give you thanks especially for Oren and Arlie, Evelyn, Ellie, and Wayne. We thank you, Lord, for sustaining them in this life to this day. And we pray that your face would shine upon them each and every day of this next year. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for the school that we have. Lord, may the students and the faculty and the staff experience your love through the Christmas story as we prepare for Advent, that they may know that, that, they may know that love that comes through your Son. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray today for all those who, who are receiving the Lord's body and blood, that they may be granted everlasting life and resurrection on the last day. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And so, people of God, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord, our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who overcame the assaults of the devil and gave his life as a ransom for many, that with cleansed hearts we might be prepared joyfully to celebrate the Paschal Feast in sincerity and truth. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing.
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord's Supper is God's gift for Christians who are properly taught. In communion, we want people to receive Christ's body and blood for their good. This means that as you come to the Lord's table, you affirm with each communicant that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, and with Lutheran Christians, you confess. I recognize and confess that I am a sinner. I repent of my sin and ask God's forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is my only Lord and Savior from sin, Satan, and death. I believe that the risen Christ is really present in the sacrament, and under the form of the bread and wine, I receive his true body and blood for the forgiveness of my sin and the strengthening of my faith in life. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
first distribution hymn is Have No Fear, A Little Flock, hymn 735.
Jesus Christ, we humbly pray. M7 or six two three. And now may this, our Savior's body and blood, strengthen and preserve you in the one true faith until life that is everlasting. Depart in his peace and his joy. Amen. Lord, for he is good. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us with this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy that you would strengthen us through the same, in faith towards you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
The Lord be with you. Bless we the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Once again, a very special welcome to all of our guests and visitors today. We're very glad that you were here to worship with us. Also, a very special thanks to Pastor Marla for the very good word today. Uh, we pray God's continued blessings upon you and your family and your ministry as well. Uh, just a uh, reminder that next Sunday is the LYF Christmas dinner, so uh, please be sure to uh, attend that. And... Um, there's one other thing. Oh, and our Advent and midweek services will be, be beginning the week of December the 3rd. This year is kind of a funny year. And it, as you kind of mentioned, 
Um, there's only three, uh, three Wednesdays in Advent this year, so uh, uh, because Christmas Eve falls on Sunday. Um, and so uh, please plan to attend that, our Advent midweek services beginning the week of December 3rd, uh, right here at 7 o'clock. We pray that you all would have a very, very blessed week.